thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your life. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio for the women with big dreams who dare to be different and who want to thrive in health, work and play. Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston bring you a weekly podcast to help you master true health and create an exceptional life. Ladies, thank you for joining this week on Wellness Women Radio. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And we are so thrilled to have you back again, listening to another episode talking about all things women's health, well-being, happiness, things that are going to shift your life from, I guess, wowzers, whoa, to wonderful and fantastic. And uh, I think I'm certainly incredibly excited about today's uh, episode. There's something that just kind of speaks to the core of me when we talk about what we're going to uh, go through today, because this is something that I feel was the partly the reason was my calling towards chiropractic and it was because of the fact that I truly, truly believed in the essence of what it is we're going to talk about today. Um, so the big question we, we need to answer for you today is can your mind really heal your body? And what would your life be like if you learned that you are absolutely more powerful than you have ever been taught? So, look, do you believe that you need to be on medication for the rest of life? Do you feel resigned to the fact that uh, the prognosis you've been given is the destiny and fate that you have to suffer and endure? Because these beliefs are exactly what we're going to talk about today. And uh, I'm thrilled to be having a chat to you, Andy, about what we call the placebo effect. Um yeah, this is Ashley's actually really super excited. You should have heard of her talking before um, we started recording. She is like thrilled to record this episode today. And it's interesting because as soon as you said that um, this was part of your calling to study chiropractic and then putting that in the same sort of phrasal sentence with the placebo effect, I've got issues with that because it has such a negative connotation, doesn't it? Because we typically think of the placebo effect or the placebo response as being synonymous with like sham treatment, dummy treatment, um, null treatment or, uh, you know, ineffective treatment. Whereas we know, you know, scientifically, physiologically, anatomically, wholeheartedly that the work that we do has a physiological, biochemical, you know, neurological change in people's bodies. Um, so it's interesting, um, the typical knee-jerk reaction that I instantly had as soon as you said that. <laughs> but I think what you're more referring to is this connection between our mind and body um, and how powerful that is. Um, and it's interesting because particularly within Chinese medicine uh, or traditional cultures, there's no separation between mind and body. Whereas in Western society, in Western culture, we have got this, you know, reductive or reductionistic sort of um, theory or methodology where the mind is very separate to the body. And I think we're only just starting to maybe reconnect the two um, in terms of our thinking and our uh, research and our studies. Um, and certainly neuroscientists are starting to see the change between the, the brain and the mind and the mind and the body are one and the same. Um, it's pretty fascinating. Oh, unbelievably fascinating. And look, I've, I've done so much reading over the years from the likes of brilliant, uh, scientists and brilliant PhD study in this area. People like Dr. Bruce Lipton, you know, biology and belief and Joe Dispenza. These guys are just going so far into this crossing over the zone between what we believe traditional medicine is and, you know, metaphysical health and healing, which is such a, an interesting thing. Because like you said, 
generally speaking, if someone says, oh, it's the placebo effect, they're saying that's a negative thing. Now, should it be a negative thing? Because over 50 years, the medical establishment has been proving that the mind can heal the body. They termed this thing the placebo effect. And there's absolutely concrete evidence that, um, you know, the body holds within it this innate healing ability and the self-repair mechanism needed to get yourself out of trouble in so many cases. And I think this is um, where, you know, hopefully modern medicine is starting to realise that it is absolutely no longer appropriate to be treating people with certain drugs and certain surgeries that have got no greater benefit than the placebo effect itself. So, yeah, yeah. And which is so fascinating because if we just qualify that, if we think of, okay, what the placebo effect is actually referring to is like a, it's a fake treatment. It's an inactive substance like, say, sugar or distilled water or something like that that's given to a person during a trial, um, or maybe it's saline solution or, or just water itself. Um, and the effects will actually improve the patient's outcome. Yeah, exactly. Placebos comprise no known mechanism that can affect the health condition. I think that's what it comes down to. And they're deemed- Which is why I had a problem with what you said about chiropractic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because yeah. we know that, that in that traditional, um, uh, I guess, understanding or definition of the placebo response right there, I think that that is just saying that there's no known benefit. Whereas when we're talking about the power of the mind to heal the body, I don't know. I don't even know if that falls into the placebo um, anymore. I think that that is an entirely new realm. Um, but yeah, it's it's super interesting. Do, I'll give you a little bit of background here, maybe where that separation sort of started. Um, and it was back in uh, the 17th century, and there was a French philosopher. His name was Rene Descartes, and I'm sure I've done a terrible job of that enunciation. Um, <laughs> and around that that time, the 17th century, this is when there were the the big divide between church and science. Um, so church wanted to have all the knowledge. And the scientists or the philosophers of the time were really rising up in society and they wanted to be the ones who, you know, reduce everything down to its parts and have this understanding of the universe that they'll explain to people. But that challenges a lot of the religious beliefs of the time, right? So he kind of came up with this uh, solution, I guess you could say, where physical objects, things that were measurable, like physical matter that you could see, you could touch, you could feel, um, wherever there was some sort of appropriate scientific inquiry, that all belonged to science. And then anything that couldn't necessarily be explained, it couldn't be seen, it couldn't be measured, it couldn't be deduced or examined, then that so we're talking about things like that mind-body connection. We're talking things about, you know, potentially um, the presence of the soul, the spirit, or whatever you might want to call those things. Then they were pushed over to the left, and that was to be looked after by the church. So the church looked after um, all the airy-fairy stuff, <laughs> and then the scientists then took hold of or ownership of anything that could be measured. And that's where that real disconnection between the mind and the body, the separation of the two really started. And we saw that really big divide in, you know, medicine and research principles and scientific, um, I guess, inquiry from that point on. And then if we fast forward into, you know, our current day, and if we're still looking at Western medicine, we also have the invention of autopsies and microscopes and, um, you know, scientific research and all of these te testing methodologies that, again, reduce our body down to 
the sum of its parts, the things you can see, that you can feel, um, the things that you can, you, you know, or you can touch or measure. And that is what it's, you know, that I guess that's everything that it is. Um, but we know that there's so much more to it. Um, and fortunately, there's, there's other things that are catching up now. Uh, so that's a little bit of background into why that mind-body uh, separation happened. Cool. That's And that's amazing. And, and still that, uh, I guess, division persists today. And, look, just to, to I guess, to validate, because I can see where you can get um, uh, a bit like, oh, Ash, you can't say that with regards to saying why did I get into Cairo. It's because I really saw the holism of seeing the art, the science, and the philosophy of all things brought together to make sense of what health and healing really is. I didn't believe yeah. you could reduce things down to the simplicity of something of the sum of just all parts. You can't just, you know, treat a heart and not treat the entire circulatory system. You can't just treat uh, a spine without affecting the nervous system and all of the other functions that connect to that. So that was that holism that you've just referred to that um, I guess got me so excited about what chiropractic was all about and also the fascination with how the mind and the body are connected and yeah. how that dives then into placebo because of the absolute belief that, well, I and you and every one of you ladies listening, you are the greatest doctor that ever lived. You have the greatest power in you, within you, to heal and repair your body. And sometimes that's really, really challenging for people to hear because we've been so indoctrinated or ingrained in the idea that we must seek other people to fix us. And whilst there's certainly life-threatening situations where, you know, you're bleeding out on the road, I wouldn't challenge you just to think yourself well in that situation. I would <laughs> certainly caution against that. I would encourage uh, emergency care in all, all situations. But what I'm saying is that too often we're told, this is your diagnosis, this is your fate, uh, deal with it. And yet we know that, I mean, I'm just going to give you a couple of little scenarios of some of the most incredible things that happen. And there is just, and this really sort of kicked off around, and interesting, sadly, a lot of the stuff we've referenced over the last weeks, I've noticed things like wartime have actually brought around big transitions in our understanding. I think it's obviously the extremes of grief, loss, love, and hate. There's all these things. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. So maybe it's an elevation of consciousness in these areas. I'm not sure. But I just noticed that um, when I, I research these things, I'm like, oh, wow, another thing that comes back to wartime, like that was learnt from those areas. Um, but this was down to World War II and there was, you know, poor nurses on the field dealing with morphine supplies that were running low. So they had all these wounded soldiers and they had no more to look after them. So some of the nurses started to use saline solution mm -hmm. and were assuring the soldiers that were lying on the ground wounded that they were receiving this potent painkiller morphine. And incredibly, it worked. Like, so these soldiers started to feel better and these sham injections were actually relieving their pain and were preventing them from going into life-threatening shock. That's and, amazing. Yeah, yeah, and so that kickstarted this idea of people uh, in you know medical circles saying, "Well, hang on, maybe we should investigate this." And of course, the literature's teamed with 
so many fascinating examples of placebo effective work. Um, it's certainly things like antidepressant medications have done many clinical trials where they've used sham treatment and, you know, actual antidepressants. And interestingly, you know, the results are so similar. There can be upwards of 70% of patients reporting reduction in symptoms, whether they yeah. take the antidepressant or the placebo. Um, and even though not all placebos are pills, so we sometimes think, you know, just placebo has to be like a sugar pill, but there's actually a uh, really big study that was done in the New England Journal of Medicine. And this is pretty surprising because it is changing the way in which things are done. Um, they studied surgeries on osteoarthritic knees. Mm-hmm. And so people were assigned randomly to the real procedure or to the, the sham fake surgery. I mean, how do you fake a surgery? Firstly, <laughs> that was my first inquiry. I was like, well, hang on, how do you fake a surgery? So what they did was they make small incisions to look like that people had had arthroscopes. So, I mean, firstly, would you sign up for that? I'm not sure. So credit to the people who actually uh, signed up for that study. But amazingly, both groups reported that their knees felt better after the surgery. Yeah, and absolutely. So the conclusion here was in this, and this is this is their words, in this controlled trial involving patients with osteoarthritis of the knee, the outcomes after arthroscopic lavage or arthroscopic debridement were no better than those after a placebo procedure. That is, oh, that is so fascinating. And Ash, one thing that um, we found in terms of the placebo effect, it's going to have a greater effect depending on how it's delivered. So for example, if um, you're giving someone a pill and they're in a clinical trial and they're saying, okay, this is uh, this is the real pill, this is placebo, whatever, whichever group they're assigned into, the way you're delivering that really dictates the outcome. So for example, if you were to change that methodology and say it's an injection, then the placebo effect actually increases exponentially depending on that delivery. So if now we're talking about surgery, and I had trouble getting my mind around how, you know, there could be a, a placebo benefit from a surgical sort of procedure. But because of how dramatic that methodology of introducing that to the patient is, that the, the outcome is going to be so different. And it's true, again, for um, there were some clinical trials done in the US a while ago on vertebroplasty. So what they're actually doing is replacing uh, vertebra or filling up vertebra with like a type of um, medicalized cement. And this was being used in patients who have, say, um, very severe spinal fractures um, that now result in debilitating pain. And again, they took two groups and this is your double-blinded placebo trial, although you wouldn't be able to, um, you wouldn't have the surgeons being uh, blinded in this sense, they would know if they were actually doing the surgery or not. Um, however, the patients who received the placebo, so they were um, you know, essentially given a sham surgery, the outcome was exactly the same if they were given the actual uh, medicalized cement to repair the bone. Wow. How fascinating is that? And wow. the results yeah. were instantaneous as well. Yep. So how do you qualify that and how do you measure that? Yeah. I don't think that we have the right tools yet or the right understanding of this to be able to actually physically measure how those changes actually happen. But we know that this is the power of the mind. Incredible power. And just on, uh, I guess, a more visual and somewhat amusing example as well is um, there was a trial with balding men losing their hair and they were given a placebo for a common uh, hair regrowth called Rogaine. And this topical hair stimulator uh, 
was used and obviously some of the group got the real deal and some of them didn't and all the men actually regrew hair. <gasps> that is amazing. So these guys were actually thinking themselves into growing new hair on the head. Um, so, ladies, the little takeover from there is if your hubby or your partner is concerned <laughs> about um, male pattern baldness, just mix up a concoction, tell him it's Rogaine, and uh, yeah, he'll be fine. He'll regrow his hair. Um, uh, look, therein lies the challenge of placebo, isn't it? Deception. Yeah. Is it ethical? Is it moral? Is it correct to uh, tell someone they're getting something that they're actually not? Well, and I think this is uh, why there's such a big argument about homeopathics at the moment, right? Um, if you read any sort of medical, like the Australian Medical Association or the AMA from the, the US, um, they're taking quite a strong stance against homeopathic treatment, saying that it's complete sham, um, it's nothing but you know water or whatever it might be, um, and that there's absolutely no basis in it whatsoever. However, it's still very much a thriving business. There is, I've seen and I've experienced with plenty of different situations who patients who, who have responded very well to homeopathic treatment. Um, and when we talk about placebo, typically you would expect there to be some kind of conditioning. Yeah. So, you know, if you're saying take this homeopathic treatment, this will help your reflux or take this pill, this will help your knee pain or whatever it might be. You're kind of conditioning someone to believe that whatever the treatment that you're offering them is going to do something, right? Yeah. So how do you explain then an effect from those things in, say, animals or babies? Mm. So here is a little scenario that we've actually had recently. Um, over the Christmas break, we um, went camping with Tiaki, and on the second day we were there, he started to develop this little um, hematoma or lump on his head that kept growing and growing and growing. And by the time we got home, I took him straight to the vet because he had this palpable, big, hard lump in the middle of his skull um, that should not be there. <laughs> And it definitely seemed like a hematoma, so it was from some kind of injury, um, but it kept getting bigger and bigger. Um, the vet immediately wanted to remove it, um, but I wasn't, you know, quite happy about him going under um, general anaesthetic and having surgery um, because this was a new vet. I wanted to vet them. If anyone was going to do surgery on my dog, it was going to be the absolute best one I could find. Um, so I, I wanted to wait. And in the meantime, I took him to our holistic vet. Um, there's a fantastic one here in Perth. Her name's Claire Middle. Um, she had a good look at it. She gave him gave me some homeopath a homeopathic remedy for him. Um, it's now three weeks later and it's completely gone. So, you know, is this the body like just reabsorbing whatever it was there? Maybe, maybe not. But with um, pretty much immediately after administration of the homeopathic treatment, the hematoma in his head started to change. Um, so how can there be a placebo effect with a dog? Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I don't have um, an answer to that. I think um, it's always a great challenge, isn't it? Because I've always had the belief in um, energy in terms of healing yeah. and medicine. I believe in, you know, love and therefore if something is done with genuine love and genuine care and you feel that that person is listening to you, loving you and being gentle and kind to you, you will certainly have a greater affinity towards repair, health and healing than you will to have distrust, fear and therefore resist the potential healing effect that could come from placebo. So, I'm, um, yeah, look, 
That's absolutely 100% true. And the same with babies, you know, these, they're not conditioned to understand consciously the cues and possibly the wording that's been given to them to condition them to think that they're going to get themselves healthy and well. So look, it's, it's such a fascinating thing to explore. Um, and there's just so many layers to this, but I think ladies listening, you probably getting an idea that, uh, we certainly do think that the power of the placebo is something that every one of us should harness, that we should embrace and we shouldn't uh, be cynical or skeptical of because it's proven that if you choose to be cynical or skeptical of the capacity of the brain and the mind to heal the body, then guess what? You are less likely to get the benefits of this placebo effect. Now, we've got placebo. So placebo is the what we call positive effect of uh, a possibly a non-medicinal approach to health and healing and repair. So it's it's the harmless treatment that's giving us a positive approach. And this Mm -hmm. is so interesting because we know that it works. There is also the flip of that. So the very power that is the placebo effect is there's a shadow side, there's a dark side to that, and that's called the nocebo perfect. (laughs) So isn't that interesting? So placebo, and then now we've got the flip side, which is the nocebo, and that is the same, very same mind-body power that can heal you, can also harm you. Andrew, have you got any examples of the nocebo effect? Oh, um, you know, that's really funny. I remember reading um, a study that was pretty much examining this and they were testing these side effects of particular medication and you were either given um, the, the real medication or you were given the placebo and it was classically known to induce nausea and people who were given the placebo were, you know, experiencing all kinds of horrendous nausea. Mm. Uh, so, you know, that, that could certainly be seen as the nocebo effect where they're absolutely having some sort of negative reaction to some sort of imprinting, some sort of suggestion, um, whereas they were just given sugar pills. Yeah, interesting. So, again, how do you qualify that? Um, I know for patients in particular, um, if there's a particular adjustment or some sort of reflex that we're doing and I'll explain something to them like this is going to hurt or this is going to be uncomfortable afterwards, most of the time it is. Um, And I'm wondering if that's because I've already queued them up to experience that or if that's because this is an actual effect of what's what's happening, what's changing in the system. And yet that's the great ethics in what we do is we have to be open and disclose potential risks and potential benefits. Um, so in that integrity and honesty of disclosing risk, you also disclose the fact that there could be some soreness or this or that or the other. Um, but it also can, like you've said, prime someone to expect or anticipate that. And potentially, because we know the power of the mind is just that powerful, it actually could uh, create the very experience regardless of whether there's a physiological or actual reason for that symptom. So it's, yep, it's just so, it, yeah, it's such an interesting thing. And for us working in healthcare, and I believe, you know, we're both healers in the way we, we approach our life and our, lo- our love towards our profession. Um, we believe in putting hands on with love, care and intention and, mm-hmm. and telling the truth and working with integrity. And I think it's fascinating too, because this, uh, I, just to give you more examples of it, if you don't know what we really mean by nocebo, like think yourself sick is, is probably the classic, um, example mm-hmm. of that. If you think you've eaten a bad fish meal, um, you might already start to feel sick and want to throw it up because someone said to you, oh, I think that fish is off. And all of a sudden your brain's like, oh, you know, and, and you're running to the bathroom ready to throw up and yet the fish was not off. It was perfectly fine. And <laughs> But it's because it's been, it's that, you know, think yourself sick. Um, another study, it was really interesting where they 
were sort of going through the high rates of failures that could happen in certain surgeries. And fascinatingly, those very predictions were very much the case. Or it's even the same as, say, for a doctor predicting you've only got five years to live or you've only got two months to live. And the amount of times people meet the expectation of that prediction is uncanny. And so it shows you again that if you're told you have two weeks to live, there's every chance if you believe that to be true, that is exactly what will come about. Yeah, that is absolutely incredible. Yeah, I mean, the voodoo death. How about those tribal yeah. experiences where they used to put curses on people? Voodoo, you know, and they, this mm-hmm. was voodoo medicine, yeah? And a cursed person was told that they would die. And then all of a sudden they die from no predicted cause. They couldn't find a cause of death. <laughs> and they said, well, hang on. And then they say, yeah, see, the voodoo the voodoo works. It's They're cursed. They were cursed. They died. Um, it's, yeah, it's super fascinating. Even the deaths that surrounded Tutankhamun's tomb when they opened that. And oh, then they yeah. said it was cursed. And then all these weird deaths were associated with it with no particular known cause. Um, I thought that was really fascinating. I thought, oh, wow. You say not only can you think yourself sick, you can potentially think yourself dead. So, ladies, I'd really encourage you to <laughs> to think yourself well and we want to just sort of remind you just how powerful your mind is because it's proven happy people live approximately 10 years longer than unhappy people okay so your attitude really does matter optimists are 77 percent less likely to get heart disease than pessimists so thinking Uh. yourself happy and thinking yourself well is incredibly powerful i mean i love i grew up in a house my mum's single mother she always used to say i don't have time to be sick yeah And it was almost as though you could have everyone else around her is sick, falling to the floor, you know, flu bedridden for two weeks. And mum would be like, I don't have time for that. And I truly believe that a big part of why she stayed, you know, essentially very healthy all that time and continues to do so. And I've been very much the same all my life. I've had very few major illnesses. I believe it's because I've just literally said, I don't have time to be be sick. You know, I don't have time. Uh, Or you're around someone goes, oh, my God, everyone's got the cold. I'm not going to get a cold. Why would I get the cold? I don't don't have time for that. Like, I just think sometimes if you're in a room full of people coughing, sneezing and snotting all over the place and you think, oh, my gosh, I'm so going to get sick (laughs) within the next few days, I find most people fall crashing down and get sick. Um, my yeah. husband's office place is an example of that. You know, one person gets sick, the next person goes, oh, sitting next to him, I'll definitely get sick. And it's like this chain reaction. That they all and come. we know that that's not how the immune system works anyway. No. You can't catch a cold. It just doesn't work like that. No. Um, we will definitely uh, have to employ an expert to come onto the show to actually explain to you exactly the, I guess, neurology and the biology behind how, if you think you're going to get sick, how that actually happens. Yeah. Um, Bruce Lipton, who you're referring to, Ash, um, we, we've definitely got lined up to come on the show. He actually um, taught me immunology wow. um, when I was at university. So wow. it was pretty incredible learning from this man who is this molecular biologist who started seeing changes in, I guess, gene expression just by its environment. And this is, he was one of, I guess, one of the founders of this new concept of epigenetics, how we can actually turn on or off our genes or how we can express or, um, you know, suppress, I guess, certain gene expression to make sure that we're as healthy as we can possibly be. Um, I find it really interesting how you were talking about, Ashley, I just want to make a point of this because I think it's really important that saying that seeing someone who you say is your chosen practitioner who is coming to you with love and with, in, with an intent within whatever that um, interaction is going to be 
for you to have the best outcome and for you to be the healthiest version or the best version of yourself. And what we do know is that the faith that you have in your chosen practitioner or your chosen health team is going to greatly impact your outcomes. And that's true for surgery. It's true, true for, um, you know, any kind of physician or, you know, you're a natural health care practitioner as well. So if you don't feel like you're in the right place, then most of the time you're not. Yeah. And so that's when we usually say to people, it's just like anything. If you meet the first person, you're not quite the right fit. It's almost like the dating game, isn't it? Like if you, if you don't make a match straight up, don't stress, go, uh, go on another date and see if you can find someone who connects with you better. Um, because it's really important to find that connection, that person you can trust, you can communicate clearly and well with, and therefore have that, uh, I guess pre set idea that you've got the potential to get well again. Yeah. or to overcome the challenge or to be guided correctly, accurately, and honestly in the direction you want to be going. So, yeah, it's definitely very important to to choose your team well. I've always had that uh, approach. I mean, hence the reason I still fly back to Sydney when I'm there. Um, I'll see my old dentist that I had growing up. Why? Because I just trust him. He's always been there. He's always done the right thing by me. He's always honoured my requests. He's always uh, listened to my choices not to have certain things or to want certain things. And, I mean, who the heck flies across the country to go to a dentist when my whole city is filled with great dentists, I'm sure. But it's because of that trust. I've always had great outcomes, I believe, with with my dentist. So I always go back and see my Dr. Michael in Monavale because he's a fabulous guy and and a well-trusted practitioner. So that's an example. If it's it's worth traveling to as well, sometimes it's worth traveling to. So, uh, look, oh, ladies, I just want to quickly mention as well, we're going to uh, run through. I think it's something that we want to expand on. We will talk with someone wonderful, probably like the Dr. Bruce Lisbon, and I hope that uh, we can get him on board soon. But this episode was really to just remind you that in order to live a really healthy, vital, amazing life, there's some foundations that you definitely need. I mean, you need water, fresh air, exercise, movement, a well-functioning nervous system and spine, healthy whole foods. You need great, strong relationships. But most of all, you need a healthy mind. And so Mm -hmm. that healthy mind has the capacity to heal you and also to make you sick. So I'm going to leave you with an idea today. What prescription do you need to prescribe for yourself? What do you need to do in your mindset to explore the possibility that you can help yourself? Because there's so many cases now, unfortunately, that in all healthcare professions, there's a lot of respect being lost for your body's inborn ability to be brilliant and to heal itself. And science does not have all the answers. Science cannot explain all the things that occur in human health and well-being. Science can't explain spontaneous remissions from terminal stage four cancer. Um, I really want you to stop thinking your body's broken and you need someone else to fix you. You need to restore and to have that trust in the brilliance that lies in you. And um, setting positive expectation whenever you do something, Find out what resonates with you. Visualize and feel that possibility of being incredibly and wonderfully healthy. Um, there's so many tools and tricks you can be using here. I mean, visualizations, meditations. You sometimes have to explore some limiting beliefs that have got you stuck in your subconscious mind. Um, possibly you've been sabotaging, telling yourself you don't deserve to be healthy. You don't deserve to be thin. You don't deserve to be well because someone along the way said, oh, you've always been that way. And you 
you believe that now, you need to reset those beliefs. Um, what what happens in your life if you said, hey, I deserve to be amazing. I deserve to be healthy. I deserve for my hormones to be in balance. I, you know, I deserve to be wonderful in my life. Because when you start to say that, you are shifting away from that pessimistic uh, approach and you're starting to move your mind towards a state of positivity, possibility. And really that's, that's that abundance where the power of placebo effect is just incredibly evident um it's yeah it's incredible what you can do for yourself and seriously what do you have to lose um that's my question you know it's just a little bit of time and effort um some homework that i give to some of my patients um in particular if they have something like endometriosis uh what i will get them to do is to google really healthy pictures of abdominal tissue and of really healthy um blood-filled rich like luscious looking uterus, uh, ovaries, fallopian tubes, those sorts of things. And that is the picture that they're, that is the only picture they're allowed to have in their mind of what their reproductive organs look like. Um, and then I'll get them to go through a bit of a guided visualization of what's called a pink pearl meditation, where you will imagine that there's this beautiful pink pearl that's passing through the vagina into the cervix around all of the edges of the uterus up through the fallopian tubes into the, um, the ovaries and around the outside tissue as well. And as it moves, it heals and repairs. It removes any adhesions or scar tissue. And then when it transitions onto the outside of the uterus as well, it also removes endometrial tissue as well. Um, Is this going to work? Is this going to change your endometriosis? Who knows? But it's the power of the mind to actually shift that and what do you have to lose? And you don't need a prescription for that. You can absolutely use the advantage. I mean, the greatest pharmacist ever was your brain and nervous system. So use the advantage that's given to you that you were born with. And uh, every single day, it's something you can work on because it costs you very little time. And it certainly doesn't cost you a cent to do it. um, Because you know what, your your body is brilliant, your mind is brilliant, and you've just got to get back to the idea that the two are connected. They're not one or the other. They are the same. So use them well. Um, I'd love to expand on this more. So I think there's just one area that, you know, we, can, we need to talk about, which we'll go into, which is just this whole idea of you can't be in fight or flight, fear and stress response and be in a place of health, healing, repair. And uh, and that's just something that we need to get our head around. So we'll do an episode on that because I really think if we can understand that stress response, we'll understand why uh, our body has the ability on a cellular level to change based on how we change our thinking. So ladies, I hope this has been a great insight into what the placebo effect is and just how powerful you are as a healing uh, doctor yourself and to start to realize that the placebo is not a sham. It is purely just an expression of your capacity to do the work yourself because of the power of your mind and the beliefs. So if you've loved this episode, please uh, give us the five-star rating on uh, iTunes if you feel we deserve it. Connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the women. And we really appreciate you tuning in each week. It's all your, I guess, praise and your emails and those things that keeps us motivated, inspired to keep coming up with great topics and great episodes. So I really want to thank you for that. And thanks for your time today. We hope you have an amazing week and uh, be well. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives.
Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.